Hey everyone, welcome to episode number eight of Musicians for Mental Health. On this podcast, we speak with musicians about mental health openly and honestly without the veil of lyrics. We are not mental health professionals, we are not licensed therapists or counselors, we are people that have had our own personal experiences with mental health and want to shed light on these things. On this episode, I have an awesome conversation with my friend Plexiglass. If you've listened to my other podcast, you've probably heard of them before. We talked about their music and everything that was going on with that. And now we were able to bring them in and let them discuss the mental health and personal experiences that they've had uh, dealing with things like being bipolar depression, uh, you know, coming through college and into the music scene and things like that, that are not always easy transitions. They're not always safe spaces. Um, and then to compound things, plexiglass is non-binary as well. So I thought it was really important that we had this conversation because I've seen a lot of mental health conversations that talk about non-binary, the BIPOC community, um, LGBTQ community, all these things, but less frequently is someone from that community actually invited in to, to speak about it from a firsthand and real world perspective. And I thought that was important. So um, huge thanks to Plexiglass for doing this with me. Um, I'm extremely proud to say that, you know, over the last few months to a year, whatever it's been, that we've become friends. And, um, you know, I truly think that through this conversation that we had, you guys are going to see strength and acceptance and just this real person talking about real things that they've gone through and that so many others do and you know I say it all the time but especially with this podcast one of my major goals is to try to represent as many people in different communities as I can and things like that but also provide episodes that people can relate to and that people look at and say, you know what, I've been there or, you know what, this person understands what I'm going through because they've went through it. Um, I don't want to take up a ton of time before this episode. I've already went a little longer on this introduction than I thought I was going to, but I, I really want to thank uh, Plexiglass for doing this again. And I really want you guys to pay attention to this one because again, we are getting firsthand real world experiences discussions and points of view and i think that's just incredibly important um let's go ahead and dive into this conversation with plexiglass so it's they were like it's super cool because like hopefully and i think i told you this the goal is like that at some point, somebody's going to come across my podcast and be like, oh, shit, I can identify with this episode because 
them non-binary or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's really, it's, it's really exciting to, it's really exciting to be asked about this topic as somebody who, I mean, I mean, not, not to like marginalize myself too much. I am, you know, white and, um, you know, with that comes a lot of privilege, but you're absolutely right. I think, you know, it's fantastic that mental health has, you know, we have seen a change in the way that it's talked about. Um, at least, at least I feel like I see it. Um, I do feel like there are more, um, you know, uh, there's more representation of it being normalized um, in our culture now than ever before. Um, but I do think that a lot of those voices are um, white, cis, um, hetero mm-hmm. people. Um, so it's it's really cool to be given the opportunity to talk to people about it as somebody who um, at least doesn't check off um, one of those boxes, two of those boxes. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. So um, before we get too much deeper in this, let's go ahead and do the the introduction because I I think you and I are right on the cusp of like really immediately breaking into some stuff. So for for people that maybe haven't heard of you or haven't went over to the other podcast and listened to you yet uh, Hmm. and, you know, kind of a little background on yourself. Yeah. um, So my name is Alexa. Um, I'm 30 years old. I live in Los Angeles um, and I have a music project called Plexiglass. Um, It's been about six years, six or seven years um, with this project. Um, And, you know, my, my, one of, one of my biggest passions within my music is talking about um, my mental illness and mental health in general, my second single was, um, very pointedly about that. Um, and, uh, I guess you could categorize the music as like pop alternative, um, alt pop, dark pop, uh, living in, in that realm. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I think I said in, the other podcast with you i try not to put artists in boxes anymore because yeah nobody really fits anymore you know like yep. you're especially like your music too you know one single may be just as stereotypically dark pop as it can be but then the next single is mm-hmm. nowhere near that and it's like so what yeah. do we classify the project as like right how do, how do we it's... do this it's just music, man, right? <laughs> it's yeah. just all music. Um, but no, yeah, I I think I just get in a habit of, and I know you get it. I, I think I just get in a habit of putting out there like where generally the music falls because it's always people's question, right? right. It's always like, well, what kind of music do you make? You know, it, just just to give people a little like, you know, taste of if they're interested in even, you know, making the effort to go listen to it, they got to know if it's, you know, generally a genre that they would listen to. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, the, to me nowadays, it's like, I always try to tell people, like, if you're kind of interested in this genre, then check, Mm -hmm. you know, check this project out because, they touch on that but it's so much more expansive 
And I think yeah. that's true with virtually every band nowadays. I mean, you have oh, yeah. some obviously cookie cutter, you know, pop punk or rock or pop. Sure. But like for the most part, it I think I think your music's a prime example of it too. And this isn't me just trying to, you know, sweeten you up or anything. Uh, <laughs> but I think your music's a prime example of like dependent on the song content, right? Like depending on sure. where your head's at when you're writing a song, that's going to change what that sound is because yeah. it may not apply. You know, you don't want to write a, a dark pop song about falling in love necessarily because yeah. it doesn't yeah. fit very well. Definitely. Um, and and I kind of quite notoriously have um, problems writing, writing music that is more... Um, I guess happy um, sounding. I think most of my uh, most of my songs have, you know, even if they are more uplifting, because some of my more recent stuff, it does have like an anthemic kind of um, theme to it. Um, it is meant to uplift and empower, um, but it still has like a twinge of like you know sadness because that is. Um, kind of the stance that I come from when I sit down to write is a little bit more of a uh, uh, a melancholy if you will yeah and I think you know not to put words in your mouth or or anything but I think what I gather from it is it's kind of finding that strength through the darkness right like taking mm -hmm. those negative situations and saying you know what like yeah there's a negative situation but it doesn't define me or control me and this is how I'm going to, you know, stand up and be stronger from that. Absolutely. And, you know, I, it, it is kind of, um, it's, it's definitely a form of therapy for me. It's very therapeutic. Um, when I do, um, write a song, um, and you know, not all of them get made, but when I do, um, complete a song um, when I see it to completion when it's not just like a random blurb um, in my notes on my phone or you know a random uh, voice memo um, it, it's super therapeutic for me I'm you know I was a kid that used to fill up journals obsessively um, because I have dealt with um, some form of mental illness like as far back as I can remember. Um, and journaling was like a big thing for me. And I kind of got away from that probably in college, um, probably to my detriment, honestly. I, I had a hard time figuring out like where to evolve that need to sort of um, document my feelings like I did when I was a kid. Um, and when I did find songwriting, that was such an aha moment of, oh, okay, like this, this is the evolution of, um, you know, my just sort of, you know, you know, I, I mean, and I mean, I was a kid, not to sort of like, you know, chastise my, my ch childhood self, but like, you know, it was very infantile journaling, diary writing, and to be able to take that, um, and evolve it into something um, artistic um, has been really liberating for me. Yeah, and I think, you know, as we start to, you know, unfold into the, the mental health portion of this, you know, mm -hmm. I think journaling is, I, I want people to understand, I think, 
that journaling doesn't have to be some strict format or anything like word vomit is okay like you can just get those thoughts and emotions out onto paper and a lot of times when you when you can actually do that and then see what your your headspace is like Mm -hmm. not always but it it can help you kind of start to rationalize certain thoughts and go you know what like there's there's no reason for me to believe that like nobody has Mm -hmm. ever told me that so why am I telling myself absolutely and I I recently I recently picked back up a little bit of journaling again I went back to it I like put it down for years I don't know if it was more like out of sort of um uh, disassociation of what I was going through. I think it probably was a little bit of that of not really wanting to sort of like, like look myself in the face, so to speak, um, with it. Um, and I did sort of move away from it, but it has been really nice to come back to it. Um, I discovered this, um, this company that makes these journals and like these like card games that are meant to be sort of like, like all centered around mental health. It's like cars against humanity, but for like, like dealing with your shit. Um, and okay. they make, they make a specific like journal set and it comes with like a deck of cards to give you like some really like deep prompts. Um, I'm trying to like, remember the name of it. Hang on. I have it right here. Um, we're not really strangers. Have you heard of them? You there? You there? I am. Sorry. The, the oh man, no, you're fine. For a second. Um, no, you're fine. Um, it's called uh, "We're Not Really Strangers." Um, and uh, yeah, they make like a whole like series of different. You know, you can play them with different people. My partner and I have actually even like like one night um I was journaling and he was like can I see those cards and I was like yeah sure and he was like going through me he was like whoa this is cool and we just sort of like went a couple rounds with one another like shuffling the deck and like picking a random card um each and like talking to each other about it like I just picked a random card here and it's what insecurity has been holding me back the most like those kinds of questions it's cool yeah um and I think, uh, A, for journaling topics, it helps, you know, kind of open your mind too. But sure. In a, obviously, you know, I put this disclaimer at the beginning and end of all these episodes, you know, we're not mental health. No. Yeah. Know how to deal with. We have dealt with our own issues. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, it may be something even for like, for families, you know, like, oh, yeah, parents about your, your mental health state, or, you know, cousins, or whoever you're comfortable, potentially opening up to, um, mm-hmm. because it, it kind of breaks the ice, right? Nobody has to think of what question can I ask? And, you know, is it off limits or whatever? If totally playing this little bit of a card game, like, okay, we all agree that we can back out at any point or whatever, mm-hmm. but at least these are preset and we can kind of direct our conversations this way. Yeah. It's really cool. I, I like, again, like I, I think, you know, seven-year-old me um, 
when they had like their first panic attack would have been like astounded that like we have gone you know so far with bringing the conversation of like mental health to the forefront to the point where like there's there's companies like this that are like putting out you know card games to you know more uh freely normalize uh talking about um what you're going through in your mind and and all of those you know very real and super normal things that people go through with mental health it's cool it's really cool yeah absolutely and you know i'm i'm 36 so kind of the same thing for me you know like going mm-hmm. back to oh if i would have ever been told you know back then that hey at some point in the future like we're gonna depict what it's like to have de- depression and it's going to be an accurate portrayal it's not going to be just the random serial killer or whatever like right we're going to start breaking that stigma apart and i think it comes from conversations like what you and i are having where if we can all be honest with each other and talk about the things we've been through it's easier to identify these these issues and potentially how to I don't want to say fix because I mean, we're all broken people, so we need fix to some degree, but like, I don't want people to think that if I have a mental illness, I, you know, I need to be fixed or whatever. It's it's not about that. It's about being accepted for who you are and being included. You know, I can, I'm sure you, you can speak to this as well, but I definitely have moments in my elementary and high school life that. I just wasn't included, you know, and Mm -hmm. a lot of times that hurt worse than being included and not really wanting to be there or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of, I think a lot of my mental health struggles when I was a kid, um, I can, I don't, I don't have a really good memory of my childhood, which I've since uh, learned is, is a product of trauma. Um, Mm -hmm. but I do remember benchmark things. Um, I do remember, um, what I'm assuming was probably my first, if not, um, you know, one of, um, my very first panic attacks, which was, um, during, I don't even think it was like the actual test, but it was like a practice test for, you know, the very first standardized testing Mm -hmm. that I, that I was ever given. Um, and you know, and I, I remembered not super clearly, but I remember like just completely freezing and freaking out because of just the gravity of it all. Like I, you know, so much pressure, um, that, that is sort of put, onto you as a kid of like, Hey, if you don't do well on these standardized tests, then you're never gonna, you know, amount to anything like that kind of, um, talk. It might not have been that pointed, but that's what I, as a child, like took away from it. The, all of that weight of, of school. And, and if you didn't do well in school, then you were stupid and, you know, like you wouldn't amount to anything and all of this stuff. And, you know, I had my very first panic attack. I like, hyperventilated and like almost passed out like during the test um 
And then I was sent to therapy for it like that young. Um, and I don't remember a lot of it, but like, I remember, I remember like it was okay. I remember feeling uncomfortable. Um, uh, but you know, um, and it wasn't until like many, many years later that like a word was actually put to it that, you know, I had an anxiety disorder. Um, uh, and and I wonder now at 30, if there are like additional things that were missed, like I, I wonder now that there's a lot more information about ADHD and being on the spectrum, if, if that's where I fall into, because so many of those symptoms kind of overlap. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting and sad, you know, I wish that, um, I wish that younger us, you know, knew the things that we know now. I I wish that our parents knew the things that we as a society know now so that, you know, we didn't have to go through feeling so alone and and left out and feeling like we were broken. You know, it, it it was hard. I, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, without friends. Um, I am one of those people that was really lucky in high school to find people that like, I'm still friends with today um but I did always feel like I was kind of an outcast and kind of different and didn't exactly fit in and you know didn't really have clear explanations for why school didn't really jive with me and um you know things like that I always had people saying to me like oh Alexa, you're, you're so smart. Why don't your grades reflect that? And me just having to be like, I don't know, you know, I would rather disappear into, you know, several books over the course of, you know, a week than to do my homework. And that's just the way that I was. And um, yeah, it sucked to not, to not have people really understand what was going on with me and to then not understand what was going on with me myself. It sucked. Yeah, for sure. And uh, two things I want to touch on. A, I was the exact same way, mm. like standardized mm-hmm. testing, especially, but like tests in general, I'm one of those people, even to this day, like I've gotten a lot better about it, but like, if you write out the questions and lay that in front of me, I'm going to overthink everything. Yeah. Yeah. If you sit there and just ask me the questions, boom, mm-hmm. I've got it. Like I know the information, but yep. especially like multiple choice. Cause then I'm like, well, hold on. Why would they put this as an option if it wasn't a, wait, what does this mean? Like, oh my God, same. shut yep. the brain off, like pick the answer and go. Yeah. Um, but number two, you know, I think you and I both do this and it, a lot of people do kind of deflect and, and use um, humor memes and stuff like that as coping <laughs> yeah. mechanisms. Uh, I saw a meme not too long ago that said, you know, speaking about um, how parents and teachers are you don't do good in school, like you said, you'll never amount to anything, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, you'll, you'll be the garbage man. The garbage mm-hmm. man makes more than the teacher makes. Makes so much money. Yeah. I don't, yep. So the if problem we're, here. <laughs> it's, I mean, I mean, that's, there's so much to unpack with that. It's, it's, you know, of course, first of all, classist, because yeah. we view that profession as to be so, you know, 
bottom of the barrel, like lowest of the low of professions, just simply because they collect our trash. Um, and seconds, you know, to assume that that the people in those roles are unintelligent. Like, gosh, what what a crazy uh, stereotype that we grew up with with that, huh? That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and I mean, it applies to everything. Like, you know, mm -hmm. skills trade. A lot of times, people are like, "Oh, you know, you you just do carpentry or construction." Like, yeah, how do you think your fucking house got built? Like, right? You you can't do it, so there has to be somebody that can. Yep. Um, yeah. I've been I've been real big on like telling people that I know, you know, their their kids and stuff that are like, I just don't know, you know, nothing nothing interests me or you know, I don't know what profession I want to go into. I'm like, skills trade is where it's at. Become an HVAC mm -hmm. certified person. Mm -hmm. If you're doing heating and cooling, every single house in America has a furnace and an air conditioner. Every business has a furnace and an air conditioner that job is never going to go away. Like if you want stability, yep. that's the route that you should really be looking. Not Absolutely. to say like, obviously doctors are never going to go away either, but you know what I mean? Like, okay, no, I know that I'm yeah. not going to make it into the doctor field or the medical field, right. but I can still do something that is a vital piece of our society. Absolutely. My husband actually considered a pivot from um, live production he's a production manager um during covid when things were looking super bleak and we weren't mm -hmm. sure what was going to happen he considered a pivot to electrician because he already yeah. kind of had some base knowledge um and you know from being in the production world for so long um and you know again just like you were saying that's a profession that does not go away um but yeah those those it's it's so um, indicative of our, um, not to get like too super political with this discussion, right. <laughs> but I think it ties, but I think it ties in with like a mental health discussion too, is that, you know, our society, um, puts such value, um, on certain careers and devalues our essential work. And I think that's something that came out of, covid is is placing more value on these essential workers you know the yeah. um you know the um hvac the um, plumbers the electricians um and our waste um management uh folks so yeah it's 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 really interesting how um you know, the conversation around education and and whether or not you know a traditional, school environment was for you um translated into whether or not you were going to have those those careers or be you know someone in a high-rise office and um we were you know taught that the high-rise was was what you wanted that you didn't want anything else besides that it's yeah. really wild well and then you know tying that back into the mental health i don't know if it's still true so someone can correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, but mm. like accountants at one point in time had the highest suicidal rate out of mm -hmm. any profession. So it's like, cool, you want to be in a high rise doing accountant work that you've been ingrained with the thought that they make a lot of money, you know, it's a safe, mm -hmm. easy job, whatever, but they're the ones killing themselves because they hate yep. their, their lives and their jobs. So like, 
Why would yep. I want to go into that versus, you know, we keep going back to the garbage man, but he gets to be outside all day, every day. Like, yeah, what's, what's so wrong with that? Yep. Agreed. Yeah. I, um, I don't know how I lucked out, but I do come from a family of like more traditional ideology about, you know, professions and education, um, and things like that. And, um, unlike um some other folks who you know very admirably are you know the the first in their family to go to college and finish college I think I broke the cycle for my family going into college and finishing college <laughs> um, um which was like you know such a blow um to me mentally um because you know I I I have a really great relationship with my mom and and she um you know has certainly come around to the way that I've decided to live my life but it was not without struggle um she she was um she ironically um is an accountant um <laughs> she she's she's also um you know a, a very um performing arts um centric person um she introduced me to you know musical theater at a young age she was um a theater um major in undergrad um but you know her mother my grandmother a school teacher you know was really adamant about you know um telling her to pursue something more you know quote unquote practical and she was always very good at math so that's what she decided to pursue um in graduate school um but um you know those those ways of thinking you know they they trickle down um through generations and so I think it was I think it was hard for her and me to really see eye to eye when it came time for me to go out on my own and figure out what I was going to do. And um, I tried to kind of meet her halfway in the middle by going to um, a arts trade school. Um, when I graduated high school at 18, I moved to New York from Florida um, and um, spent a a year in a conservatory acting program that that I really figured out probably the first semester that I hated um and <laughs> just did not fit and I, I met you know one of my like lifelong best friends in that program so it it wasn't all for naught but I I think I really knew um that first year that that this wasn't what I wanted to do but I also was scared to move on and and I and then the summer after that first year was actually when I really started to exhibit um more prominent sides uh signs of depression actually and that's when I went back to therapy after not being in therapy for several several years um and was diagnosed bipolar too. Um, and that was actually really empowering for me um, to have a diagnosis. I think, I think when I started telling people still, even that was like 2010, I think bipolar still had like this giant stigma around it. Um, you know, it's, it's all, you know, um, all, 
very severe symptoms as depicted in, you know, different um, forms of media um, and, you know, film and all of that stuff. Um, but for me, when I found out that that's what was up with me, it was super empowering to, to be able to put sort of like a name to what I was experiencing. Um, yeah. And I feel like I've only, I feel like I've only gotten better at identifying my symptoms and when I'm starting to experience a low and when I'm in, when I'm in a mania um, since getting the diagnosis, I feel like I have much more control over my symptoms. And um, as a result, just like my day to day, you know, and, and I can kind of like forgive myself a little bit more, um, which I think is super important um, for people that, you know, have depression is to just have some, find some kindness for yourself. Um, and just, you know, recognize that, that this is how your brain works. And sometimes, you know, some days, some days all you can do is get up and go to the bathroom. You know, some, some days you can't brush your teeth. Some days you can't take a shower and that's okay. Um, and to just find forgiveness for yourself with that. And, um, yeah, getting my diagnosis was, was huge for me to be able to forgive myself for those days when, when things were, um, not manageable. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I talked with um, the lead singer of Written by Wolves, and we were talking mm. about that same sort of thing where, like, you know, some days that's all you can do is is get up and maybe take a shower or, you know, yeah, like you maybe. Said, just, yeah. just go to the bathroom and then get back in bed and watch Netflix, watch The Office, yep. whatever. But the fact of the matter is you still got up that day, you know, like there's exactly. so many people that didn't, you know, um, yep. it's. I'm going to misquote this stat and I feel bad about it. Every, I think it's 17 seconds, there's a suicide in the world. Mm -hmm. So every 17 yep. seconds, someone decides that they can't do it anymore and you're yep. still doing it, you know? So like you have to find strength in those little victories. Um, and it, like you said, it's totally fine if all you did that day was you got off the couch, ate a peanut butter sandwich. Cool. Yep. You did it. Like take yep. that as a victory. Totally. And, you know, I, I have seen a lot of people still not really like understanding how, how, how severe and debilitating it is sometimes. Um, and, and I think, you know, like you said earlier in, in this chat, you know, just, just by us talking about it and continuing to talk about it and normalize it, um, and, and to show how common it is, you know, I think, yeah. I think what I'm, I'm going to misquote a stat now too, but I think I'm fairly certain that it's like 80% of like the world's population, not even just like the United States. I think it's the world's population. It's like 80% are depressed or experience some form of depression. Um, I'm, I'm pretty positive that's the stat <laughs> and that's like crazy when you realize like like wow there's only 20 percent of people who claim that like you know they don't experience depression that's that's crazy like we are the majority 
Yeah, and I know what stat you're talking about, and I can't find it now that I'm trying to Google it. Yeah. Um, simply because they talk about um, the diagnosis of depression versus experiencing. So the diagnosis, sure. obviously, much fewer people get. Um, right. Go through and get the diagnosis. But, yeah, like, you know, it's it's one of those things that I truly don't think people fully comprehend, like you said. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I know at my worst with my depression, like, I didn't get up and clean the house and take out the trash, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it was. And, like, my mind told me, oh, you're being lazy. And I know yep. – that the perception is, oh, that person's just lazy. They don't take care of themselves, whatever. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is I spent all day fighting my own brain and I didn't have the energy to do anything else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the tidiness and cleanliness stuff. That's like the, that's some of the first stuff that starts to go for me too. When I'm on like a, like a downturn, um, yeah, dishes, just like piling up in the kitchen, um, you know, like 50 empty or half empty cans of sparkling water on my, you know, bedside table, you know, like, yeah. like all of that stuff, you know, no clean clothes to wear, you know, things like that. And, and, it, and it is, you know, like on the surface, I think people who haven't experienced it from from their lens might see that and go oh well yeah that's a really lazy person but it's exactly what you said it's I I literally don't have the energy to even really like like I'm too busy shaming myself in the same way that maybe those people would shame me to even try and and rectify the situation you know right. like like I'm too busy being my own worst critic and enemy um and, and it's so exhausting that I can't even get my brain to come around to the fact of well it actually probably would make you feel a little bit better if you did the dishes but sometimes like it you can't do it sometimes you just can't get there um and, and I have gotten a lot better now with age of being able to sort of, I don't know if you do this. I, I think I put this on TikTok once and there were so many people who were like, oh my God, I do this too. And it was really nice um, to hear that other people do this. I'll kind of do little like incentives for myself now. Um, and, and sometimes, like I said, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but, but I will sort of like tell myself like, oh, um, um, I, full disclosure, I'm like a big stoner. I love weed and it's very helpful to me and my mental health. Um, right. So I'll like, <laughs> I'll like say to myself, Hey, you can smoke a bowl if you do the dishes. And sometimes it really does work. Um, I, I have, I have been good about like trying those little tools of sort of, you know, Hey, if you, you know, go for a little walk around the block then you can come back and the rest of the day you can just do nothing but just you know get some fresh air for 10 minutes and then you can come back and do nothing um you know little silly things that to 
you know, maybe more neurotypical people sounds absolutely ridiculous. Um, but it's, it's survival, you know? Yeah, no. And I, I do the same thing, you know, like legitimately like two weeks ago, I just, I wasn't feeling it and it was editing a podcast needed to mm. get a podcast edited. And I'm just like, I'm not in the mood to do it. You know, like I just didn't have the capacity. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get this done. And when I get this done, I can go get ice cream. And I really yep. want ice cream. So I'm going to, and I, I busted it out, went and got myself ice cream and I was good, you know? Um, yeah. But I think to your point too, there is a little bit of power in removing yourself from the situation. Um, mm -hmm. So like I live out in the country, there's a gas station, like, I don't know, three miles, four miles down the road. And there are times that, you know, if I'm in one of my depressive states where it's been a couple days on washing dishes or taking out the trash or whatever, cool, I'm going to put my shoes on, I'm going to go to the gas station. I drive down to the gas station, you know, get a Coke or whatever. And when I come back in, I'm like, you know what, my shoes are already on, I might as well take out the trash. Like, mm -hmm. I don't have to do an extra step. I've already done that. Um, yeah. And it's those little, like you said, neurotypical people that wouldn't be a big deal. Like slide on some yeah. fucking, you know, slippers or whatever and take out the trash. But right. for, for those of us that battle our own brain, it's mm -hmm. like, well, I could take out the trash, but I have to put on shoes. And if I'm going to put on shoes, I have to put on socks. Like right. it now it's this whole list of stuff that we have to do versus just put on some slippers and go. Yep. Um, yep. And I think, you know, there, like you said, there's a power to it when, you start doing those little things like a reward system or whatever. And then mm -hmm. you come home and you're like, okay, I, I took out the trash. I might as well knock out the dishes. I'm already up moving around, you know, like, exactly you start to justify like, okay, I can get this stuff done. But what a lot of people stand, I don't think, and I think it's, you know, more than just myself, but I run into when I'm in those depressive episodes, uh, like, you know, the dishes start to pile up and then it's like mm -hmm. in my head, I'm like, okay, I have to do the dishes because it, it's lazy and I'm just, you know, whatever. But then I'm like, man, there's so many dishes. And then I get depressed that I haven't done the dishes and you, yep. know, you start battling yourself on that. Like it's this vicious little cycle of, you know, you fall into the, the depths a little bit, things start piling mm -hmm. up. And then on your way out, you're like, why did I myself? you know right yeah yeah why why did i why did i have to punish myself like that you know for for you know anybody else like 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 i would never i would never talk to you that way about your depression right. you know but <laughs> but i would talk to me about my depression that way and it's it is it's that it really there's a reason why the sort of um analogy came about about depression where it is sort of this kind of um you know um evil version of yourself like like yeah. the worst the worst meanest version of yourself in your head just criticizing everything you do 24 7 um yeah. I, I find too I don't know if you're the same way but I find um actually I was just talking with um a fellow musician friend and she actually just got a um autism diagnosis this past year um she was saying to me 
that she has friends that um, she lives out in Vegas. And she says that she will have friends over and they just like now know that if they come over, she's going to be cleaning because she she can motivate herself better to <laughs> clean if she like has a trusted friends to like hold her accountable for it. And I'm kind of the same way. I, I had to yeah. like admit, I was like, oh yeah, that's why I would much rather like go grocery shopping with my husband versus alone because I know I can motivate myself better. I also won't get like weird and overwhelmed in the grocery store um, versus when I'm alone. That that totally happens to me. Um, just get all anxious in the grocery store. And I feel like I'm like staring at like the produce section for like two hours in everyone's yeah. way trying to decide like which cream cheese I want or some shit. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. But yeah, I'm way more motivated when I have kind of like a partner to, you know, it doesn't have to be my husband. And it can be a friend too, to, to motivate me that way is, is another thing. If you have a support system like that in your life, um, that, you know, accepts you and is able to sort of, you know, help you out like that. I think that's, that's half the battle right there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, identifying the support circle can be really difficult for a lot of people um, mm -hmm. because mental health in general has been so stigmatized, you know, like it's oh, yeah. still hard at 36 years old. I've got friends, you know, just like you said, I've got friends from high school that I've known mm -hmm. 20 plus years that I still don't talk to about my mental health because I don't know that they're in my mind, they're not ready to handle my, my truth, you know, and mm -hmm. whether that's yeah. true or not, I don't know because I've never talked yeah. to them about it. And it's like, if I would just, and I obviously know that it's super hard cause I don't do it myself, but if I would drop that guard and just say, look, there's something I need to talk to you about. I struggle with, you know, depression, and this is some of the, the stuff that I go through, would it be okay if I talk to you in those times? I feel yeah. like most people are going to reply, yes, I would much rather you talk to me than bottle mm -hmm. it up or, you know, follow the darkness, if you will. And again, it, it's super easy to just assume that mm -hmm. people aren't, you know, there for you. Uh, but I can assure you, uh, you know, you and I've only known each other for, you know, less than a year and mostly through yeah. Instagram. And yeah. I, I have no doubt that like, if I reached out to you one day, Hey, you know, I'm struggling today that you're going to be there to say, cool, let's talk. You know, like there's oh, so many yeah. people. Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, I also, I also, um, feel like we always tend to kind of find each other, huh? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like the majority, the majority, if not all, I think, well, I think all of my very close friends or even, um, and especially like, like new friends, um, that I've met within the past, like five to 10 years. Um, we all tend to sort of, find each other um and and we're all you know just like a, a 
you know, <laughs> a little mentally ill bubble. And I kind of, I kind of love that. Um, and, and with that though, comes, um, comes the need to, for like healthy boundaries. Um, like yeah. I, like, I know that, um, my, my closest, closest friends and my husband, um, we all have some form of, you know, depression and different mental illnesses. And, um, you know, there have been times where, um, on both sides, one person has gone to the other and said, Hey, you know, can I, um, kind of, you know, lean on you today? And the other person has had to say, I'm kind of right down in that pit. I'm not exactly like in a position to be, be, be the best ear for you right now, but you know, and, and that's, but that's healthy. Like I would, I would much rather, especially in my marriage, like I would much rather my husband's like give it to me straight and tell me, Hey, I just like, I really can't like handle your shit right now because I'm dealing with my own shit than for, you know, resentment to brew. Um, but I've, I really haven't run into a situation where it's ever been confrontational and there's only it's, it, it, there's way more pros to being friends and being in a romantic partnership with someone who really does understand your mental health stuff from like their own personal experience than, than there are um, cons to it. It's, I, I think it's, I think it's vital for like a solid friendship when you're someone who is mentally ill to, you know, have someone who can at least be, you know, compassionate about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think that I bet you that if you like did open up to some of your friends that you haven't really talked to explicitly about it yet, that I bet you that like at least one of them is going to be like, dude, I'm right there with you. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, the NAMI stat is something like one in five people, um, experience Mm -hmm. some sort of mental health issue uh, throughout their lifetime. Obviously some people get over whatever it is. It may be a temporary. It's not chronic. Yeah. yeah, It it may be a temporary grief depression versus chronic or whatever, but the, the importance is one in five people like whether you're looking at just your family or your classmates or whatever, like think about that one in five. So you're mm-hmm. one, five more people. There's at least a person that has done or been through some sort of trauma and can oh, yeah. go, you know what? I know what you're feeling. Like, let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, and I tell people all the time, like everybody's trauma is unique to them because obviously, yes. you know, no matter what it is, nobody has experienced exactly what you've experienced. But totally. people can understand and people can have their traumas that are are close enough, you know, in that same genre or whatever we want to call that, that same mm-hmm. arena, and say, you know what, I haven't been through that exactly, but this is what happened to me and this is how it's affected me. Yeah, absolutely. And just to hear that you're not completely alone in like, you know, the effects of your own individual trauma is, it's so, 
powerful. Um, so, so powerful. Yeah. So one thing that I want us to touch on because a, we talked about it on Instagram a little bit, but, um, Mm. you know, is that you identify as non-binary. So Mm -hmm. that's an arena that I don't, I personally, I don't see it get talked about enough, you know, and yeah. maybe it's that I haven't went looking for it, but I feel like, I don't know if this is going to sound like arrogant or whatever, or <laughs> I shouldn't have to go looking for it though, right? Like it should be commonplace for, for this information to just be out there and it should be as normal as a cis person's mental health information or whatever, because yeah. we're all people, we're all humans. Some of us, you know, are aliens looking at you, uh, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it shouldn't be so hard to find that information. And I think one thing that I want to do with this podcast, like I told you at the beginning, is ideally, I want people to look at this podcast and go, you know what, I can identify with this episode because that's how mm-hmm. I identify. And yeah. so I want to touch on, I've told you this before, like, I don't see that as your identity at all as far as like oh she's just a non-binary artist or whatever like it's a piece of the puzzle that you are Mm -hmm. how has that kind of affected you growing up and then you know into adulthood with the a mental health side of things and i think what i touched on on instagram with you was like the acceptance of it slash the non-acceptance of it yeah. Yeah. So, um, so first of all, yeah, don't, don't feel, don't, don't feel, uh, like it's arrogant or, or whatever. <laughs> um, because I, you know, I came out so late in life. I've only been out, um, for about a year, um, with my gender identity because I honestly didn't really have the language to express what I felt. And there were so many things that I knew were different that were outside of the binary and outside of, you know, being um, someone who um, grew up as being classified as a girl um, that, that I just didn't, you know, I, I, I sort of had to um, push it down for, for a really long time and just sort of dismiss it as like, oh, well, I get, you know, um, I guess as, as young as, you know, maybe 10 or 12, um, you know, I, I got labeled as being like, you know, a tomboy because I wanted to dress more masculine. Um, I, I really like felt drawn more to expressing that side of myself um even at that young age and I knew I didn't want to be a boy and and I still feel that way but but that was like the very early signs of like me sort of knowing that that I didn't like fit in like to a neat box of like what a girl should be and act like and 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 look like and things like that. And, um, but I was, I was totally bullied for it, you know? Um, and I am a, um, I am of, uh, Ashkenazi Jewish, um, heritage and, you know, I have very, um, dark body hair and, and that was like a 
big thing that that was really hard for me to deal with of you know kids saying to me oh you know like you're a girl you shouldn't have like visibly hairy arms you're a girl you shouldn't have hair in between your eyebrows you're a girl you shouldn't have hair above your upper lip you know it, it was that sort of like very early um kind of brainwashing and indoctrination into our you know made up gender um binary um that that kept me from being like fully realized um until um until you know just just this past year um really coming to terms with it um and you know there, there are, you know, clashes between us, you know, elder millennials and um, the Gen Z, um, but, but they, I think they have something special going on when it comes to um, being more, um, being more inclusive, being more open-minded about the fluidity of both gender and sexuality, um, and and I really do thank them because I think I would have gone likely my whole life without really being able to verbalize who I truly am um, without um, you know them kind of taking it upon themselves to be like, hey, you know, there there have been you know, uh, two spirited people there, there have been, you know, um, you know, non-binary people forever. It's, it's, it's something that, that has existed in societies long before ours. Um, and you know, this is not a made up thing that kids just decided they wanted to feel special. This is, this is a very real identity that falls under the trans umbrella. Um, and, and it's been, it's, it's been fantastic and also super scary, um, Mm -hmm. because it, like you said, like, like it is an identity that, that still seems so new to people. And, and, um, I've actually had a lot of really difficult conversations with cis women surrounding, um, the reproductive rights discussion that's you know come back up now because of darn texas um and they're they're psycho down there aren't they they're super they're super good i mean you know florida's (laughs) next on the list you know i I grew up you know i grew up there and that's that's what the majority of the people down there want too um so we'll see um but um but yeah i I've realized that unfortunately a lot of cis women who even like champion themselves as being, you know, feminists and, you know, um, you know, activists and things of that nature, they feel very intimidated by um, non-binary people with uteruses wanting to be, wanting to just have those discussions be more inclusive with their language um and they feel very you know intimidated by trans women as well you know they they um so many discussions with women who insist that if you don't have a uterus or if 
you know, like me, I do have a uterus, but I'm not claiming, you know, the, right. the, the, my womanhood, um, which they find to be atrocious, you know, that, that, you know, I'm not allowed to have a say in the discussion surrounding abortion rights, um, and things like that. And it's a shame because, because, you know, trans people want to fight this fight with women, um, with cis women. And, and it honestly is, it would be beneficial for them to have more people, right. To have more people that feel, um, like they can be a part of, of this, um, movement. Um, so it's a shame, but I'm, you know, I don't, I do feel so secure in my identity at this point. And, and like I said, like there are times of uncertainty and, you know, I went 29 years of being she and, and her. And so even I, I like to joke, but it's real. Like I misgender myself sometimes still. Um, yeah. So I, I like to give people some like leeway, especially people who have known me for a really long time. Um, you know, my mom, you know, she's known me, obviously the longest out right. of anyone <laughs> in my life. So, so I give her a lot of leeway because, you know, she's been referring to me as she, her for 30 years. So, you know, I get it. And, and, and it's the same with me. And, um, you know, my husband's been really, really great about it. Um, he doesn't give a shit. Um, <laughs> I really <laughs> married the right person <laughs> when I finally like broke down and like, had he was the first person I talked to about it um I'm I really am very lucky we have a really really amazing relationship and he was like yo um that makes sense <laughs> like it was so it was so relieving um and he he's funny he's cute like if I accidentally misgender myself which happens less and less but like I said, you know, mistakes happen and yeah. he'll like, he'll like correct me misgendering myself. <laughs> and it's really awesome. But yeah, there, there's, there's a learning curve here because, you know, despite the historical context of um, a gender that is, you know, neither or both uh, male and female, I personally feel like I, I am neither, but there are, um, you know, gender queer people who feel like they're they're fluid in that way that they identify with with both binaries um all genders um but you know they're despite it being present for so long um there there is a learning curve so there's a lot of patience um i don't have patience for just straight like hatred and ignorance and right. transphobia you know i i do try to combat a lot of that with as much um with as much compassion as I possibly can, because I think that people who do feel the need to sort of like attack me, that there's, you know, there's, there's something behind that, right? There's something that that's um, deeper um, with that. I think a lot of these cis women that feel that trans women and non-binary people are sort of, you know, the enemy or something, um, they've they've been sold they've been sold a really rotten um narrative right you know yeah. they, they've they've been sold this narrative that you know being a woman is like their entire existence and like you know that that anybody who doesn't possess 
you know, um, biologically female parts can't be a part of this exclusive club. Um, and, you know, and, and, and they refuse to acknowledge the validity of, of trans women. Um, but, but as long as they're not, well, I don't know. If I really, I have to like pick and choose my battles, right? Because it's <laughs> right. exhausting. It's exhausting. There are some days where I come out guns blazing and I'm like, you're a transphobe, fuck off. You know, like right. there, there are days when I don't have the patience to find more compassion, but the days when I do, I have to admit, like, that's better for me mentally. I feel like I can let go of it. I can you know, let go of it rather than, you know, when I, when I just dig my claws in deep to that person's like hatred is it's, it's toxic. Um, and, and there's, there's a time and a place for it. I do think that some of these people need to just be told off. Um, and I have done it. Um, but it's, it's not without, you know, um, a cost to my peace. Um, so I try to do that less than only bring it out when I really feel like I have the energy to do so. No, Um, I I totally agree. And I think, you know, a couple of things I want to touch on. One is to your point about like bullying is probably the wrong word for it, but these cis women that don't want to include, you know, genderqueer, non-binary, trans people in the conversation when it comes to like abortion rights and things. Yeah. Um, I think there's a little bit of the kind of like a, a breakfast club syndrome. So, you know, Judd mm-hmm. Nelson's character in there, like he's the big bully. He's always picking on everybody else. But then you find out in the movie, like the reason that he is the way that he is, is because of his home life. And I think yes. that does play a factor is obviously a lot of these people, you know, people in general, not even the ones necessarily in that fight, but up until, to your point, up until relatively recently, the language hasn't been there. The education hasn't been there. So mm-hmm. these people have been brainwashed and, and set in their ways that, well, this is the only way that it can can be because that's what I've known for 40 years or whatever. Right. And it's like, okay, but, but that's not the way that it is. And that's not necessarily right. what it was, we just didn't have the ability or the knowledge to talk about it then. Um, yeah. And I think that's yeah. awesome. to the second point here real quick is education, right? Like, yes, I openly have said, I don't know enough about a lot of topics to have a, a viable voice in a fight. Um, mm-hmm. A prime example is the, the abortion talk. You know, I, I have enough knowledge in it, but I literally just had a friend I think it was last week that was like, Hey, can you believe this? You know, and sent me some article and I go, look, I don't have the right equipment to have this conversation with you. You know, like I'm, I understand your, your frustrations and I can be compassionate with it and, you know, try to support you. But at the end of the day, like, especially when it comes to, to women's rights and and uterus rights and all that, like I'm a dude I identify as yeah. a dude, and yes. so my voice doesn't matter in the sense that I shouldn't be the one dictating what happens. My voice yes. matters to support that you have the choice to dictate what happens. Yes, yes, yes. We totally need you as an ally. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. It's 
it really is up to the person with a uterus um, to lead these conversations um, as well as, you know, make that choice for their body and, and you know, their existence. Um, and yeah, I, I really respect that. And I have a lot of, I do, I try to have a lot of compassion, especially for people who like yourself, like are openly like, Hey, you know, I don't necessarily have the education. I'm, you know, I'm doing my best to educate myself, but I don't necessarily feel comfortable speaking on this topic. Um, would you mind, you know, would you mind answering some questions for me so, so that I can be better educated? I, I have a lot of space and time for people like that who are open to um, educating themselves. I think that's the first step, but it's very easy to identify a person who is willing to put in the work to educate themselves right. versus someone who, who has already, you know, made up their fucking mind and they're not, they're not going to, you know, change. They just, I, I think this phrase sort of popped up last summer in you know, the midst of all the um, BLM protests, um, oppression Olympics, right. You know, mm-hmm. I think, I think that there's a lot of struggle right now um, with people who are maybe like lower down on the um, oppression totem pole, because like, let's be real, like that exists, you know, yeah. there, there are um, sects of minority that are greater oppressed than others. And I think we can all kind of agree that, you know, cis white women do sit pretty low on that totem but I think um, I think that's very scary to reckon with um for for some of them you know I know count I know countless cis white women who who understands their um you know they're sure limited but understand that they have privilege in this world that you know a black brown indigenous woman uh trans woman may not you know um and and it's an important thing to to reckon with but but the people who aren't ready to reckon with that those are the people that that i have confrontational conversations with about gender because because they're and it's funny because a lot of the um argument that they like to make to me is oh you're making this all about gender you're turning this all which does that sound familiar i feel like if you're talking about race they you know people <laughs> want to to try and use that oh you're just making this all about race um anyway um but it's funny to me because they don't really see the irony. I, I think that I'm not necessarily making it about gender and I'm not obsessed with gender. They're very attached to their gender identity. And you know what? I'm not going to shame them for that. I think, I think everyone should have a fondness and attachment, if you will, for their identity. And that's very normal. Um, but but when you use it to try and sort of um, segregate from others or, you know, um, not be intersectional with your cause, 
that's unhealthy. That's, that's an unhealthy obsession with your identity. If you're trying to push other people out, um, that's unhealthy. Um, and, and that's destructive ultimately and, and harmful to, yeah. to people. Totally agree. And I think, you know, whether we're talking about uterus rights or mental health, I think that that's a key component because, you mm-hmm. know, the, the BIPOC population is one of the most underrepresented up. Uh, yeah. That word was really yeah. tough for me. <laughs> underrepresented, uh, areas of, of our society. And yeah, it, I told you earlier, I've, am very active with heart support and we did mm-hmm. um, this mental health conference earlier this year and we had a, a woman that came and spoke and she talked about um, a young man that committed suicide and he happened to be mm-hmm. black and it's like when she told people about that so many people were like but but black people don't commit suicide that's a that's and that's the problem yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so, that's so terrifyingly fascinating to me that there's still like, like a large enough group of people that actually like, like believe that stigma. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's, <laughs> wow. it's absolutely insane. And you know, like indigenous people are even less represented but it Mm -hmm. still happens, you know? And I think that's the key point to most of our episode here has been like it, you're a human being. These things are going to happen in your life and it, you're not alone in it. And there are people like you or that have experienced something similar to you. And I think, you know, kind of to your point earlier about finding the support circle and how we kind of all gravitate to each other. It, it's a real thing because we're all mm-hmm. looking for answers and we're starting to, I think over the last probably, I'm going to say the last five years, I think it's become a lot more prevalent that these mental health organizations or even just groups of people are starting to go, you know what, I'm looking for answers and you're looking for answers. Maybe I can answer some of your questions and you can answer some of mine. Absolutely. And just, you know, the community aspect of, you know, the, there is um, a, such a large mental health community and it is that exchange of knowledge to one another that helps us um, just further, um, further down the path of normalizing and not stigmatizing um, mental illness. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, to not to kind of harp on it more than, than I have in previous episodes and stuff, but like, I often say that, you know, I'm a broken person, but that's okay. Like Mm -hmm. nobody, regardless of your religious beliefs or whatever, your societal beliefs, your cultural, nobody in this world is perfect. And when we stop striving for perfection is when we can start healing and growing together to the best of our capabilities. And, you know, I don't think we, whether we were created or evolved and we'll not get into all that, but (laughs) you know, whatever the belief system is there, like, I don't think perfection was ever the intended goal for us. No. Yeah. It's about being the best version of us that we can be. Absolutely. Yep. 
Yep. And um, just to like mention it, because I said I would, I think that when it comes to visibility and you have like these higher profile people um, like Bo Burnham that are, you know, making pieces and putting out art um, that have such a wide audience, um, you know, I, I think that the popularity of his special would not it wouldn't have been a thing if there weren't so many of us that feel this way yeah. you know um and um you know if Bo ever listens to this I really do thank him because it was so helpful during the pandemic to um to have a piece of art out there and to have um somebody that I had already admired for many years and were um just about like the exact same age, um, give or take a few months, um, to, you know, be so vulnerable and open about his mental health struggles, um, in a different way than he had in the past. You know, I think he does the thing that, you know, you and I do, and I'm sure many other people do where, you know, we mask with humor and he had done that in his specials before. Um, and there's still a little bit of that. Um, but I think this time it was different. It was, it was very real and true. And um, I think a lot of us really appreciated that. Yeah, for sure. And I think I, I definitely want to, I don't know if I've ever publicly endorsed anything, but I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to publicly endorse his, his new special inside. Like, because yeah. I, th I think whether you have ever, if you ever believe you've struggled or not, like I think everybody has period. I yeah. Mean, the, the scary statistic, I mean, most of the statistics around mental health are scary anyway, but mm -hmm. uh, suicide is the number two leading cause of death for people age 10 to 34. Jeez. The fact that we have 10 year olds committing suicide yep. shows how ill-equipped we are as a society when it comes to this. But yeah. I think, you know, like you said, the beautiful thing about his new special is, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, there's songs that you can sing along to. But it, if you actually pay attention to his content, it's not really masked that well this time. And I think it's intentional. No. I know it's intentional because yeah. he worked way too hard on this to not be. Yeah. But it's a look, you know, mental health is a problem. I struggle with it. And this is what we're going to do about it. And I think yep. it's time that we all just make that acknowledgement that mental health is a problem. We mm -hmm. all struggle with it and we can do something about it. Yep, absolutely. And it has to start um, to your point about, you know, there being kids so young feeling like feeling that that lost in in their own minds um, that they feel like there's no other way out. Um, it has to start that young. Yeah. You know, it has to, I, I, I really, it is kind of emotional for me to think about, you know, I think I, I think, I think we would all be like the same sort of core of a person, but like, you know, how different my life might have been, you know, how I would have approached different experiences had I had the tools from a very young age um, and, and had, you know, our um, knowledge of um, psychology 
been where it is now that somebody would have been able to just say, hey, you have an anxiety disorder, um, you have some signs of depression that might, you know, grow as you get older too. Here are some tools that, that you can carry on throughout your entire life. I just, I really do wonder how, how differently my life would have sort of panned out in certain, uh, in certain aspects. Yeah. It, It has to start that young. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, so the question I'm going to kind of take us out on here, uh, yes. I used it a couple times, uh, and you may have just kind of answered it, but if you mm. could go back in time and tell a younger <laughs> version of you any piece of advice that you've learned dealing with, you know, your your gender identity, your mental health states, all of that, like, what would be the thing that you would say and hopefully would be the most impactful? I think I would tell them, I think I would tell them everything you're going through that feels so alienating and different than everyone else in your life. Um, it's there for a reason and it's okay. And, and one day you're going to love yourself, um, a lot more than you do today. And, um, yeah, it just really encouraging them to not obsess so much with trying to fit in and trying to be um, a cookie cutter version of, of myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the, the, for me, you know, you mentioned kind of the, the box that people try to put you in, especially at a young age, um, mm-hmm. you know, whether we want to go down the cis identity or whatever, like, you know, telling mm-hmm. you what you should look like or how you should behave and things like that. Like what you have to take into consideration is that <laughs> I'm going to use kind of a really odd analogy, I guess, but not every toy mm-hmm. fits in the same box. Right. Yeah. Like, there's a reason every, item on the shelf has a different piece of packaging is because nothing is meant to fit in something else's container and your container is special to you totally yes yeah so to take it out hopefully it doesn't feel gross but i'm going to let you self-promote so (laughs) (laughs) it's still about the music so i i want people especially if they identified with you at all through this or you know found comfort or knowledge or whatever in anything that you said where can they find you yeah it's um it is plexiglass ple double x a glass everywhere pretty much um if you you can probably even just google it um and all of my stuff will come up um but yeah plexiglass everywhere um I think the only URL that is not slash plexiglass is Facebook and it's just plexiglass music. So, um, plexiglass everywhere. Um, I'm putting out a full album at the end of October, um, October 28th, and I'll be doing a virtual, um, live show to go along with that. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Awesome. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I'm going to 
you know, do everything I can to help promote and <laughs> share yeah. everything and all that. Um, I'm, you know, looking forward to everything you've got coming up. Um, you know, we've kind of talked about a little bit of it, but um, yeah, I think this has been hopefully at least comforting to someone, you know, and I always tell people like, I literally got asked today, what's the goal of this podcast? You know, like, what do you mm -hmm. hope to accomplish? And honestly, my only goal is for one person to identify with something and feel better about themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's pretty much, that's pretty much the goal of my music too, actually. Is if I can just help one person feel less alone, um, that that's enough that's enough right there so thank you for asking me to to be on this it's great absolutely and there's potential that there will be more episodes with you you know whether it's the other podcast awesome. or uh you know this so this one i'm doing in in seasons so maybe it'll be next but um you know i think the thing is i i think we talked about it when we did our last uh interview like mm. it's all about growth right so yep. you know as we both age and mature, like we're going to go through different things. And I think that the, the check-ins are definitely necessary and the updates yeah. are necessary. So we're yeah. definitely going to stay in touch. Um, and again, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and, and being open and honest about everything. You know, it's like you said earlier, they're not always the easy conversations to have, mm. but they're the most important ones to have. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I would love, I would love to do it again. Awesome. I appreciate it, Alexa. We'll talk soon and hope you have a good night. Me too. Bye, Josh. See ya. And that was my conversation with Plexiglass. Um, hope you guys enjoyed that. Thanks again to Plexiglass so much for having this conversation. Um, you know, I've said before that I think these conversations are super important. I think it's insanely important to include the people from these different communities and different, you know, I don't want to marginalize people too much, but like these different sections of our society, um, not that we should all be compartmentalized or anything like that, but that's just how things are looked at, unfortunately. So I, I want to thank Plexiglass again so much for having this conversation and bringing firsthand real world knowledge and experience in on, you know, being non-binary, having bipolar disorder, um, struggling with depression, coming through the music scene, just all of this, you know, talking about the, the women's reproductive rights, you know, and, and things like that. And Hopefully a lot of people really connected with the topics that we discussed and I really, really hope that the people that listen to this episode, um, A, take something away from it. You know, whether it's encouragement, a sense of belonging, a, you know, newfound knowledge, whatever it is. Uh, but B, I hope it opens eyes to bring these topics that we talk about in virtually everyone 
whether it's, you know, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, whatever. Um, I think a lot of times when it comes down to the quote unquote smaller sections of our society, they get overlooked or they get passed off on, you know, whatever, not to make it, you know, political or anything, but you know, like the snowflake society and things like that, like all these stupid things that we've come up with to diminish a person's experiences. Um, you know, I hope you listen to this episode and if you've ever done that or, you know, continue to do that, that you really look at it and go, hmm, there really are real people out there that struggle with these things. And I, there's a lot of value in that because what better way to learn than to have an open and non-partial, non-combative discussion um you know i encourage everyone to sit down with someone that maybe they don't fully understand you know the non-binary side of things or maybe you've got a family member that struggles with depression and you don't understand it sit down with these people and tell them look i would like to have a real engaging conversation i would like to learn and i would like to hear things directly from your perspective and, you know, at the end of it, obviously, we hope that you guys come to some sort of understanding and maybe, you know, mindsets change a little bit. But even if they don't, you know, if you do it maturely, non-combative, non-defensive, you can still be friends, you can still be family, and you just have more knowledge. Um, that's everything for this week, guys. So I want you guys to jump over to Plexiglass's social medias, which are linked in the description of this podcast. Instagram is where they are super active, so head over there. Give them a like, a share, a subscribe, a follow, all that. Whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. Um, make sure you're keeping up, because they've got new music coming out, and it's going to be super badass, and you're going to hear us talking about it. Um... And then, you know, obviously for this podcast, it's been doing very well so far, and I appreciate everything you guys have done uh, so far with this. And I want it to continue to grow. So make sure that you like You Make the Scene on Instagram. Um, follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're streaming this, um, and share it with your friends, whether it's this episode the next episode, the first episode, I don't care. Share just the podcast in general because you never know what people are going to connect with. And I hope that I'm bringing value into to people's lives. And at least, at bare minimum, I just hope people are, are hearing these words, these conversations that we're having, and understanding that they're not alone in the battles that they have and it's okay to go through things and to sometimes struggle you know it's not always easy and i can say firsthand that it's not always been easy for me either um yeah and it it definitely does get better and you're gonna have ups and downs and there's gonna be high points and low points and and everything in between but 
you know, I, I think it's important for people to just take all that in and know that there's a thousand other people out there just like you. Um, and that number's being very conservative. There's probably a million people out there just like you that have experienced very similar things that are in the same categories as you that are identifying the same as you and you know it's important to find these communities and support each other and just love each other we're all fucking human beings um so at bare minimum have human decency and respect for everyone um that's everything guys i so fucking appreciate everything that you do for me uh all the support that you give and definitely looking forward to bringing more conversations just like this and more representation um and i hope that you guys are enjoying it so um to take you out it's the same thing every week every time every episode uh and that's the simple reminder to take care of yourselves take care of each other and you make the scene